Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beef Podcast, where our goal is to promote health and wellness in the bodybuilding community while having fun doing it and getting you huge. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Thank you guys so much for watching. On to the video. What's going on, Jason? What's up? Not too much. Hey, Jason. Going on. Just talking about some uh, post-competition protocols. Well, not really, but uh, <laughs> Morgan Morgan was saying that he's feeling good again. So, you know, you always have that, like, that time after your show where everything's just, like, super swollen. And then, you know, obviously you're feeling really big and really good. And then it kind of tapers off a little bit. You get to Dude, that point where you kind of flatten out a little bit. And then from I never, there. I never had that at all this time. Like, no. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like that coming out of shows, man. Like, I find there's, like, two people, like, two different types of people coming out of shows. Like, there's the guys that, like, blow up, like, really quick. And, like, and then there's guys like me where it takes, like, I mean, I'm, I'm still only 12 pounds above stage weight, and it's been a month. Yeah. Well, that's it. Wow. When was yeah. your good? Uh, Canadian Nationals was what? September 18th? Yeah, we, we were, was it three? And, I'm trying to figure this out myself. It was four weeks ago, right? It's been a month now. So it's been a month. Yeah, yeah, it's been a month. Yeah. So yeah. and and like yeah, this week, like I was I was hanging like I, I competed at 265 and then I was hanging around like 273, 274 up until like this week. My weight finally came up. Like I'm hanging around like 277, 280 now again. So yeah. but yeah, feeling much bigger and fuller at that weight for sure. So Jesus Mo. I, I came up 30 pounds from that. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't matter. It sounds more like me. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my metabolism is just crazy. And and I think it's just because like this was like just doing so many consecutive shows like I did, like being in shape for so long. I think my metabolism is just like somewhere it's never been before, but it seems like it's finally starting to slow down a little bit. Uh, like this, this last week, like I can just, I can just tell by like looking at myself and stuff, you know, but yeah. What do you guys think about um, taking time off after a show? Cause some bodybuilders will take like weeks or months completely off from the gym I know, like uh, Big Rammy did that. Roley did that. A um, lot of a lot of big guys. They, you know, Ronnie Coleman was was known for doing that. Just what about you, Eric? Have you ever taken time off, like completely off from the gym after a show, or were you kind of like us, where you you get back in it right away? No, I, I always took time on uh, off after a show. Yeah, I I give myself maybe like two weeks before I started training hard again. Yeah. Yeah. But I would, I would have those awesome rebounds. Like we were talking about that on that one episode, I would gain like 30 pounds within a, a couple of days. So I was always the guy with the big rebound. Uh, just my body just responded well. And that even if I wasn't training, I'd have like the best pumps, just even posing. Um, but then I'd get back into it right after. I always felt that like, for me, man, like right after a show, like being so dry and so lean that I couldn't train super hard right after. So I would always give myself a break and then get back into it. Makes sense. What do you do? Do you take time off, Jason? Mentally, I just can't. Yeah. I might take a day off, you know, and just, you know, if I want to, if I'm in a different city or something from the competition, I just want to enjoy that city that and check things out. I might take one day off, but typically, you know, I like to be, I like to be kind of in a routine, you know, and yeah. just get back to back on. I, I see what I need to work on after the show and I just want to get back to it. I'm kind of like that too. The, the most time I've taken off after a show is like two weeks. Cause I went to my cottage and I was like, you know what? Like at my cottage, 
it's far enough away where there's no gyms around there. So if I want to go to a gym, I have to drive like an hour. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to completely stay away from it. And then one day I really want to go to the gym. So I showed up at the gym and the gym, the guy like, wasn't even there. Like, like the gym wasn't even open. So I just went there and I drove there and I was like, uh, I guess it's really not meant to be. So then I drove around and found like a, a park that had like some random like workout equipment. You ever seen those parks outside that have like Ply- plyometrics? Yeah. So I did well, like a quick mentally hyped up the train. Yeah. But the one thing that I really noticed though, is like after taking that time off then I would go back into the gym and just everything would hurt. Like all my joints, especially my knees. That oh, was yeah. probably the, the worst my knees ever were when I took that two weeks off and I'd try to go back and squat like one plate and my knees were screaming and I didn't take time off at all this year. And this time I didn't have like really any joint pain. So I don't know. I think you kind of have to find that balance. eh? Do you guys find that coming out of a show, like, like two or three weeks post show, like when you start putting size back on that, like you get a lot of joint pain that kind of comes back. Cause like, I know for me, like the last, like, you know, six weeks of prep, like I felt like no pain, like no matter what I did, all my joints, everything felt amazing. My shoulders every time when I started getting thick again and putting like some size back on my, my strength is great. My shoulders are like brutal. Yeah. I'm the same yeah, I'm my knees, my elbows, my even like my, I'm having trouble with my wrists. Like if it's just like I don't know, it's just a prep catching up with me, or just because like putting the size back on. Maybe there's some like inflammation and stuff going on in the body. It's, like, it's yeah. weird. Like you would think when I'm depleted and stuff, it would take a little longer to warm up. But when I'm actually like heavier and bulkier, it takes me longer to warm up. Like once I get going, my strength is amazing. But like yeah. those first few sets, my shoulders are in pain. Like. Dude, yeah, I did like, incline barbell press for the first time in like eight months the other day. And like, it just took a lot of warm up. But once I got up there, you know, I actually hit a PR for the first time hitting it in eight months. Nice. What was your PR? Uh, four Oh five for nine. Yeah. That's Bro. crazy. That's sick on an incline. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, man. I was happy after yeah. seeing uh, that video with Ryan with that barbell incline, I haven't done much barbell <laughs> incline. Yeah, that scared me too. <laughs> I just haven't. I just, I just been doing like Smith machine. Like, I'm just like, fuck it, man. Like whatever. Like <laughs> it's just not worth it. You know? Yeah. It is scary for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was going up very small increments, just doing a couple reps just to feel the weight. And then it was just feeling so good. I'm like, you know what I've done, you know, eight reps with this before. Let's see if I still got it. And it just felt really smooth. So, but I don't think I would ever try and go heavier. If it's I can about get, keeping it in. If I can get more reps, then great. But I don't think I'll try and go heavier than four or five. Like you know your range, right? It's about keeping in that range you're comfortable with, especially on stuff like bench. The the, the big three, you don't want to like try a hundred or fifty, even like sixty pounds off what you normally do. Yeah. Like powerlifters know their range, right? Mm. And they train for that. So what was this? What, what was this guy doing? Like, was he was he wasn't he not working like out with um. Uh, some kind of social media guy, yeah, Larry Wheels, I think, and he was Larry Wheels. Like, yeah, he's working out. I played for side or something. Yeah, so he was probably shooting way too high on that bench. Like, I don't think it would happen to any anyone who was prudent about their bench and you know increased by 10, 15 pounds max. Yeah, I know he claimed that he did it before, like in videos after. Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of hard to believe. I feel like he might have just been saying that because so many people were shitting on him. For doing I mean, yeah. the video, he looked pretty unstable from the get go. Things happen, you know, maybe he's had, maybe he had done it before. Who am I to say he hasn't? But, you know, it looked pretty unstable as soon as he picked it up off the, the rag. Well, yeah. it, it is possible maybe he did it before 
and did like a one rep max and it was okay. But then you did it again and it was like, it was just the right, you know, I guess like the perfect storm, you know, maybe he was a little bit too jazzed up and just kind of lost control. And I think, yeah, that's what gets scary. Right. Cause it's like, there's a big difference between like four plates and five plates. You know, I think if you can rep out four plates for 15 or 20 reps, then you could probably do five plates, but it doesn't mean you would do five plates yeah. because you still haven't earned like the four, the 410, the 415, the 420, and like all those numbers in between. So I think it's like, it's the ego was, thing, right? Yeah. It's there was like, a power lifter in the gym whenever I did that 405 for nine uh, the other day. And he's like, man, well, why didn't you put more on there? You could have done, I think you did that pretty easy nine. You had 10 or 11 and you, I think you should do 500. I'm like, I don't, there's no point. I was like, yeah, exactly. maybe I'd get one rep. And what is that going to do as a bodybuilder? Yeah, exactly. That's what it blows my mind that these guys even have that mindset of like trying to achieve a one rep max, especially when you're at like a certain level in bodybuilding. Like that doesn't even cross my mind ever. And like every now and then, like you get asked, like, you know, someone will ask me, like, oh, how much can you deadlift? How much can you squat? And I'm like, I do. I honestly have no idea. Like, yeah. I haven't got a set of squats for less than 10 reps in like years. So, you know it's just never ever worth it man because i mean you mess up the aesthetics of your body like i don't know if that guy's chest is ever going to look the same you know yeah because yeah. he's such a young guy and had obviously had a great future ahead of him like with the size and structure he was holding what was he 23 when it happened or something like that he's young something yeah right but i think even like even like you jason like you doing that four or five or nine right like you're not doing that every chest day you know no. it's like like, like we all know, like some days you're just feeling it and like your body feels good and like, you just, you know, but it's like, you never force that kind of thing. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And like, like I said, it was just feeling good that day. So I, I kept going up and I, it felt good, but I've had days where I go in there and 315 feels like the weight of the world. That's what I was going to say. Like if you're doing 315 and like, it's kind of hard and your shoulders hurting a little bit, like you're not jumping to four or five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You want to listen to your body. You want to listen to those tendons. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I was powerlifting and I have no more triceps. Right. So <laughs> that's what happens. You don't listen to your body. You ignore the signs. Eventually it catches up to you. It might not be like that one lift, but it'll be over time. It's just like wear and tear. Right. So kind of like that's, to, uh, that's a good topic though, because we're, we're talking about like the post show and when your joints hurt, what do you guys do to kind of mitigate joint pain or, you know, it's just inevitable that you're going to get little nicks and scratches here and there whether it's elbows, knees, wrists, whatever. Um, how do you guys mitigate that? Like, do you do something with your training? Do you add supplements? Do you use other things? Do you guys think it's inflammation? Yes. 100%. Yeah, I do. Too. 100%. Yeah. 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 Because it, it could be systemic inflammation, right? Yeah. Whereas when everything feels beat up, or it could be localized inflammation, which maybe could be like a biomechanic thing. Yeah. So, Agreed. yeah. Yeah, I know for me, like I, I take uh, like curcumin like as a supplement. I find it like, yeah. really consistent with curcumin. Like it keeps my overall like inflammation down in my body. Like even even helps with digestion. I think as well. Yeah, but I mean, for me, like I know my training has changed a lot in just a sense of like I'll do a lot more accessory movements before I'll touch any compound movements. Like no matter what training day it is, like you can bet I'm doing two or three isolation type exercises before I'm doing anything heavy. And I find for me, like it's work because like, obviously doing those like machines or cables warms up like the muscles and joints, but then it's going to force you to go a bit lighter on your compounds. Right. So 
again, like that's going to cause less wear and tear. So I know that's something that's been like working for me, but I mean, at the same time, like you're just going to deal with shit too. And then, you know, get a bit of massage therapy when you can here and there helps, helps keep it at bay. But I mean, especially when you guys know, like when you're growing, trying to put on size, like, it's at its worst. Right. So you're, oh, yeah. almost, you're always working around something. The, mas- season, right? the massage therapy is a big thing for me too, with the, you know, I have a chiropractic massage therapist, getting the the cupping, the grass and all that. And then another thing, those first couple of weeks, maybe not the first couple of weeks, but a few weeks into the off season, I start slacking off on the cardio a little bit. Mm. And then when I brought it back and started getting back regular, I noticed my joints and everything, everything just felt better. Yeah. Like when I wasn't doing any, like started slacking off and wasn't doing any, everything was just more stiff. And now having a routine of getting up and getting the blood moving, getting the joints moving, and having a stretching routine along with it has helped. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I do fasting cardio every day, like regardless. Yeah. So I find the same thing. My myofascial yeah. release really helps. Um, I, I had a question for you, Mo. You said the curcumin. What are you, what are you, uh, who, who else uses uh, curcumin for inflammation here? Every day. I have. Not recently, but I have. You guys find it hokey? Like the, the, no. the little pills, like, do you think that's enough? You'd have to take like eight of those little pills to be the equivalent of. No, you, you don't. Know, all, all you need to do is you need to just get um, like powder, like a proper curcumin. It should be like 95% curcumin. Yeah. Right. Cause curcumin is, is from turmeric. Turmeric. So, yeah, yeah. So just taking like a turmeric pill that might not do very much, but if you get like a, a very potent curcumin pill that's extracted from the turmeric and then it, if it has black pepper extract or like biopurine or whatever, it's that black pepper that, in science, like, you know, in these research studies, they, they mix the black pepper with the curcumin and it makes the curcumin like 1000% more effective. So I think you're really missing out if you're not having those two together. Mm. So yeah, if, if, you're, if you're taking one and you need, you need like eight pills, if you just throw some black pepper in there, you probably only need like one or two. It increases the absorption rate. Yeah. yeah by like a crazy amount. See, I was oh. taking the, the bags. You can get them in bags of the, the turmeric and mixing it with like black pepper. I just get it from Costco because they have a good deal mm. on, I forget what brand it is, but it's, it's got the black pepper in there and it's, it's 95% curcumin. It's good. Yeah. Mine's from a Jack factory supplement called joint. And that's what it is. It's just curcumin and bioprene and black pepper. See, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, HD does uh, joint supplement soon. Cause um, rich Piana, his company had a really good joint formula. It had like collagen curcumin, um, what else did that like Boswellia? It had like a, a whole bunch of stuff, but I think that it was a really good formula because it didn't have um, like glucosamine or MSM, which I find to be like kind of that's the gimmicky stuff in my opinion. But like mm. things like collagen, curcumin, like stuff that your body is actually made of, like collagen or things that reduce inflammation, like curcumin. I think that stuff can be like extremely effective. I take it like two or three times a day, depending on how my joints feel. But I'd like to get Eric's take on on this because like he's probably a bit more old school, like you yeah. know, back in back Good in your question. mind, Eric. Like like what was your guys like approach to like you know if you had like a nagging pain or something like what would you do? Uh, I would say if it was a nagging pain after after like post contest, like I said, I usually took time off, and I was like you, I always focused on the uh, isolation movements instead of the compound movements. If I had any little joint injuries like that. Uh, I was never really big into the joint supplements. I was like, knock on wood, I never really had any major joint injuries or, or pains. I mean, I have a little tendonitis here and there, but uh, just by changing up some of the exercises is all I had to do to really get rid of that. 
But if it was always like off season and I was training hard, I would always just take time because it's better to take some time and get it correct than to have, have that nagging all the way through into contest prep. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, that's similar to what I've been going through with. I've been having some tendonitis and stuff going through my left arm. I haven't, I think last week was the first time I trained arms since the Tampa pro just yeah. taking time off from, from hitting using those muscles and those joints. Uh, I'm already using them on a heavy back day and, and chest and stuff like that. So just not giving them that extra pounding by adding well, was it, was it like bicep tendonitis. Yeah. Yeah. It's going right yeah. through all the way into the, uh, um, supinator muscle. On the I'm left arm that right now on my left side. So did you find like that taking the time off training arms? Did that help it? Yeah, yeah, it's helped it a lot. Plus getting some work done at the you know yeah. chiropractor and the massage therapist and stuff. That, that's another yeah. thing I wanted to ask Eric really quick is just about like you know back like when you were in your prime and competing like was was massage therapy and like chiropractor like was that a relevant thing like with guys back then as it is now or like like was there not many people doing it? Oh, hell no. It wasn't it, not like it is now. It was definitely not the same. All this cupping things yeah. everyone's doing and all the massage therapy wasn't the thing. I mean, I kind of just trained through it. If I was in contests, I never did that. I, I wish I would have had all the, the different uh, avenues that you guys have now to keep healthy and keep training. I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, honestly, that we would have, man, I used to maybe do a few stem machines, you know, or tens units, things like that. But I would never, I never did any cupping or anything along the avenues that you guys use now did, did you guys do a lot of foam rolling or anything like that or not really no i was never really big into foam rolling and honestly i was a personal trainer for 10 years and uh man it's been like 15 20 years ago but uh we never were really even big into the foam roll rolling then it was foam rolling even a thing yeah it, in my book it wasn't a thing i'll tell you that much <laughs> yeah that's what i'm thinking i'm like man i'm trying to think that far back and i'm like i don't think foam rolling was even like around no that's what i'm saying yeah. like even even the cupping it wasn't really a thing i mean you just kind of like trained i mean every, every i mean i would see people like uh we really didn't see a ton of videos anyways but um you would never really see people go into massage therapy and all that it was just i mean you just kind of worked through it did your own thing it actually kind of makes a bit of sense because i like i used to i was with a one of my ex-girlfriends is a massage therapist. Like she had her own business and stuff. And like I know from her that like massage therapy has only like somewhat recently been accepted as like an actual practice. Like you know, like like a, like a sports like medicine, like even a thing where people can get it covered under insurance and stuff like that. So, and I guess that's another reason why it's only become more popular in the last like five or six years. Because I mean, now like you can't go like on any block without seeing a some type of massage therapy clinic or something like that, you know? So it's just a lot more popular now, I guess, because of that as well. So even well, after I, you, yeah, no, good I, I tore my bicep tendon not too long ago and I had surgery on it. And uh, when I went to physical therapy, it was the first time I ever had the grass done on it. So I was like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, in all honesty with breaking up scar tissue, that's a, that's a great thing. And it worked wonders on my arm. Yeah, Actually, sure. that's, 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 that's a good point. Cause I use the grass in like almost every day. I have it like right here with my desk. This thing was like 12 bucks on Amazon and it, it just use a little bit of coconut oil and like whatever I'm going to train, let's say it's a leg day. Just, I'll do like just literally five minutes before I put on like my leggings to hit the gym. I'll just scrape my legs just a little bit, kind of like around the knee up to the quad into the hip and yeah. you get to the gym and it just like, whoa, whatever kind of tension you had in your knees, it, it's gone. Then you can do your normal warmups and, I just feel like it makes a massive difference. Yeah. I, I think doing it a little bit, like you just said, before you train 
yeah. not only the your mobility, but the pump you'll get because it like opens up. You'll get more more blood flow into the muscle. But then getting like a really deep one like session done post training, like a day later or two days later, yeah. I feel like uh, it breaking everything up increases the recovery so much that I think since I started doing that about two years ago, like twice a week, I think that's actually helped me like grow a lot better too. just breaking up all that scar tissue to give it the room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever like to do massage before I train, but definitely like the grassing before training and then the massage after, if you could do that, like, you know, you can do your grass and like every day pre-workout and then you can do massage once a week. And then if you can get a chiropractor appointment once a month, and then even, even beyond that, if you can find uh, muscle activation uh, therapy or muscle activation technique, then mm -hmm. that is like addressing your nervous system. And then even above and beyond that, get an osteopath. And then you have like everybody taking care of you, you know, from like head to toe, inside and out. Nervous every, every week is just passive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it, adds up, it adds up in cost, right? So I think the probably what you can do is the least, the most effective, like best bang for your buck, most cost effective thing is probably the grass. Then I would say. Yeah. yeah unless you get good, good insurance. Um, unless you're like, thing unless is, you're like Mo, you got a girlfriend that can. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, that, that used to be a perk. <laughs> yeah. get, get in that a sucks. car accident. Get, get, yeah. get someone to T-bone you. That, that happened to me. It's like $5,000 worth of coverage. Yeah. I got like a year that free a year. chiropractor massage therapist from somebody hitting me. Fuck, was that not the best year for growth though? Do you, was that not the best year for growth? Oh yeah, dude. You, you grew well. Yeah, it felt good. I mean, let's be real. I wasn't hurt. Like they hit me. They like they rode up on the median of the of the highway and like hit me on the side and then like broke off. But it was a stolen car on a drug run. So I, like, your car was stolen on no, a drug run. There it was. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, it was a stolen car from Enterprise uh, Rentals. And it's like two guys had stolen it and we're doing a drug run up and down the coast of Florida. What? And That's they, crazy. Just, they, were, they were actually running from the cops when they hit me. Like the Holy cops were chasing shit. them. <laughs> That's How much yeah. did they pay you for that? They, they, I mean, they fixed my truck and didn't really, that didn't really get much money out of it at all. It was more the just, coverage was good. The coverage was yeah. like in Canada, we have the meg package. It's max coverage. It's five, five K for massage therapy, any therapy you want, 5K. Yeah, no, I think I got like 10,000 worth of like therapy and like uh, chiropractic and massage like work out of that. All right. So get in a car accident, guys. <laughs> make sure you're not at fault. But the thing is, in Canada, I know like if you're going to like make an insurance claim like that, like you got to be careful. Like you can't be going hit the gym and shit and then like roll into your chiropractor after like because like they have like insurance people that like watch you right if, yeah like big amounts not, not so much i work for insurance trust me mo <laughs> so not the only so reason much. i'm saying this the only reason i'm saying this is because the same ex that was a massage therapist yeah her her ex-husband that she was with before me was one of these like like insurance investigator guys so i i, I know they're out there you might not have to watch out for them until like you're a bodybuilder or something but you know, <laughs> just if you're going to try to pull some shit to get free massages, just watch your back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We're awesome. not encouraging anyone to do it right <laughs> on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> At all cost. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys see the um, the bodybuilding show today? It's the Yamamoto Pro, I believe, today. 
Yeah, I saw Nathan just won that. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, figured, I figured. I mean, Nathan. It was, it was hard to really tell from the pictures. Like, personally, I liked Samson's look. Dude, same. That guy yeah. is bringing it his last couple yeah. of shows, man. Like, because he has that aesthetic look. He, he's almost like a, like a Cedric in the making, right? Yeah. No, he looked, I think, I thought he looked amazing. And definitely these, these two shows he's done this year has been his best looks ever. Yeah, I, I really want to see the pictures of him and Roly next to each other because they gave they gave Roly second over him. So, uh, did they? Yeah. Well, what did Roly play? I just saw the winner. Roly placed really, really low, didn't he? Like comparison compared to other years, he placed like eighth or ninth, or was he in the At the Olympia? Yeah, was he even? Yeah, he was. He was down there. Was he even top ten? Yeah, I don't think he was top ten. Even I don't, was he? I'm trying to think, I don't think he was. I want to think he. I think he was just outside the top ten. Like for the first time, and it was either right around it or, or outside of it. Yeah, yeah. His upper body was big, but his legs are definitely. You got no separation in his quads, man. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you, you know, you can only see like the like the BMO, like <laughs> like there's nothing nothing going on with the rec fam or the the lateralis at all there. You know. What do you think's going on in Roly's mind? Because he's a top three Olympia guy, you know. And then after that top three, he just he just kept slipping and it just continued to slip. You know, like what if that was you, would you would you hang it up already? Or would you like just like I gotta get back to that? I don't know, man. I, I almost wonder if it's just like he's trying to under contract to do so many shows and like trying to finish it out or what? Because I mean, what he didn't get an off season, right? He didn't train for so many months and then started right into this year's prep and it seems it feels like he's forcing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. like it's yeah. just like nothing's really going his way, but he's still like just trying to like like bang out these shows, like and like I mean his look, I feel like it's just getting worse. Like I mean I love Roly, like damn, like that guy, obviously. But it's not the same bodybuilder we saw years ago. It's not, man. You know, what I mean, I, I feel like he peaked at that Arnold Australia, that one that he won, and same year he came top three at the Olympia, and. uh I mean, you could even argue for him, like, winning that Olympia. He was so on that year. But I feel like I don't think he'll ever come close to that again. And I think his waist has gotten bigger, too. Yeah. yeah Changing the guardsman. It's kind of an old school thing to take to take that much time off. Like, what other guys would do that, Eric? Like, I know I know, Lavroni would take, like, six months off, then he'd do a prep, and he'd just look absolutely crazy. But was there any other guys that you know that were taking off that much time? No, not that much time. And I kind of agree also with uh, – I competed against Roley, and uh, I can remember back in, I would say, I don't know, like 2000, maybe 15, 2013, and he looked really good. And then, like, something happened right after that, and it just seemed like he was maybe chasing mass, man, and he just kind of lost that look. I remember uh, when I competed with him when he first turned pro, and, I mean, he had a, a lot smaller of a waist, and his arms were always huge, but now it's like – he seems kind of blocky and never really comes in crisp. Mm, if, yeah. he can, if he can bring that condition, I mean, I think he could, uh, he could place a lot better. I mean, but he's just hasn't really brought that lately. He's like do you guys think that, that chased the mask game that never had to. I, I, I was going to say, do you guys think that freak factor game is, 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 is re, rejuvenated with guys like Nick Walker? Like, do you think it's starting back up? Like guys like Nick Walker coming back in. And, and making Freak Factor a thing again. Because we had Sean Roden as the Olympia, Mr. Olympia for a bit. And I find that they, they wanted to change directions. But now we've got a new breed of guys. Are we going back to mass? I mean, but you still had Brandon and Hunter mm-hmm. plays higher than Nick this year. 
Yeah. They're, they're bigger though. But yeah, Brandon is bigger. Big. They brought the size this year for sure, but Brandon, they, they're still more aesthetic. They still have that shape. Yeah. Like Nick is like, Nick is a freak, but he's still not like big structurally. Like, okay. So but I, well, I, he's, I he's only like five, seven and a half or something. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, that kind of showed on the Olympia stage. Like, I feel like, you know, even like the Arnold Classic, in a sense, like Nick still looked like really big, but it's then like when you put him next to Brandon and Rami, like he didn't, he definitely wasn't like overpowering them with his size at all. Even no, though he was no, it wasn't overpowering him. He was better conditioned and like he yeah. still looked freaky as hell. But, and, and I kind of always thought that with Nick, like as he's coming up, like obviously he's like a phenomenal top five in the world, but that's one thing, like, you know, his structure is obviously going to like be the only thing that holds him back. Right. Yeah. And being only five, seven and a half, and he's already getting on stage at like 250 plus. I mean, and it's like I his mean, weight can't afford to get any bigger. Right. Like it's just he's got to bring out more more detail, more muscle maturity, whatever. But I don't know if bringing much more size is going to help him that much. I think, I think like um, I think the Go sorry, ahead. go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. I think the uh, New York Pro has always been for the freaks. You know what I mean? It's always been like that throughout the, the years. The New York Pro has always been the winner has always been a freak. So if you were the freak and you go to the New York Pro, you always have a better chance of winning. So I think Nick Nick did that this year, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. the Olympia is uh, should be more towards kind of both. You know, it's a combination of the big and the uh, the lines. But uh, you have everything. That's a good point. Yeah, and yeah. the the that's Arnold too. The Arnold is. I, I look at the Arnold as like, that's like the, the presentation round, you know, <laughs> it's like the best Arnold champions are the ones that they just present themselves so well, like Kai Green, you know, like you remember his presentation. It's been like six or seven years, you know, next next presentation, flawless, absolutely flawless. I think maybe he got a little bit tired for the Olympia because he was pushing for so long, so hard. And he was so good at the Arnold. He probably, he probably just took his foot off the brake just a little bit. I think he was slightly better at the Arnold for sure. Slightly better. But yeah. he he said he came in even lighter than at the Olympia. And I think that's I think they pulled almost too hard because he was like right on the money at the Arnold, I think. And then yeah. I think they just they tried to pull a little too hard into the Olympia. Well, because Hunter looks huge down. compared to him. Yeah, sometimes bringing that fullness down, like then you have the muscle not pushing up against the skin as much. So like yeah, you might technically be more conditioned, but yeah, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't translate. Yeah, you look flat, flat, and a little bit, a little bit more body fat. What about Rami though? Like to to Jason's point, you know, you're talking about the mass monsters. Why didn't Curry win over Rami? I know it was like a, a really really slim, you know, win. It was one point, wasn't it? In the pageant, yeah, yeah. I think Legs. finals. I think it was clear cut. Rami. Yeah, everybody agreed. Rami should have won. No, I mean not me, but the judges. I don't know, man. It's it's so it's so much personal preference. It's it really just comes down to whether you're a leg guy or or whether you're an arm guy. Like what which you know, would you rather have bigger legs, smaller arms, or bigger arms, smaller legs? You can only pick one or the other because that's Brandon Curry and and Rami, right? But my my uh, my point of view was that I think Rami actually looked better last year. He came in and he just knocked everyone out. Like, it was like, holy crap. All right, there's your winner. This year, I think he was a little worse and Brandon was a little better. I agree with that. Brandon was a lot better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. A lot better. Brandon was sharp. Brandon was very good. Yeah. One thing that bothered me about this Olympia was that, like, if you have, like, Brandon and Randy, right, and 
they give Ramy the win and everyone's okay with it because like you got to knock out the champ, right? Mm. But then like if you go to the 212, like Lunsford didn't knock out Clarita. You know, that's true. That's true. I think he that did. Though, good I point. Think he did. No, that's that was a tough one because that's another once again apples and oranges type thing. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, Lunsford looked the best he's ever looked by far. But Clarita got better than last year, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a tough one for sure. But I think Lunsford's shape and size just was overwhelming. I think that's just what they're looking for in that division, right? And, like, it's like they got what they were looking for. And, like, even though Sean came back and he was the champion, he was a bit better. Like, they were just happy that Derek finally produced. It's almost like, you know, yeah. they probably – I don't want to bring politics into it or anything like that. But <laughs> – I mean, we can all see how like Derek is like the more ideal representative of like that, like Mr. Olympia, like physique, right? From like an aesthetic standpoint, structure. Yeah, and I think they've been they've been hoping he was going to bring it for years now, and they he finally brought it, and they rewarded him. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, do you think that's Derek's pass to now he can do the open since he won that? I think they were kind of kind of pushing his best. (laughs) <laughs> I think but I think he I think he is dumb if he doesn't go up to the open at this point. Yeah, because even what I was as saying. phenomenal as he looked this year, he wasn't as full as he could have been. He could have come in 10, 15 pounds heavier and still had peeled glutes and striations everywhere, you know, but just been fuller and popping more. I think. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to like a, a structure versus. I don't know what you want to call call Sean. He's more like a compact guy. It's like structure versus compactness almost. Because Derek's not like super bubbly or anything, but he just it's like the X frame, the the yeah. width of his of his shoulders from shoulder to shoulder, and then like his his hips are pretty narrow. Whereas Sean's more straight up and down, but he's just like super dense. Yeah, he, so, he's thick as can be and bubbly. Yeah, but I mean, if Derek moves up to open, like look at him and Hottie have got to be about the same height, right? Probably, yeah. Hottie was, uh, from what I hear, Hottie was only 219 on stage at the Olympia. Oh. That's, it's interesting, too, because people that were there in person, oh. um, they're they're like, whoa, Hottie was like, you know, unbeatable. the guy, right? Yeah, unbeatable. Because yeah. he was so diced. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. his conditioning made him 219. You know, yeah. like, when you get that lean and that dry, there's no way you're going to be as heavy as you could potentially, or you, he wouldn't be as heavy as he was the year before. Right. Cause he was so lean and dry this year. Actually, he might've been leaner and drier last year. I, I think he was better this year. I think last year, maybe at finals, he was, he hit yeah. the mark, but he was only in America for a couple day, a day or two before yeah. the show last year, this year, he was here for like four or five weeks. So the water dissipated a bit. He was probably a little drier, crisper. Oh, he was definitely leaner this year, man. I think, I mean, I think he came in perfect, but I mean, like then again, you put him next to Rami and like, he's the size of Rami's leg. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, like, how do you possibly give that guy Mr. Olympia over the dude who was like a hundred pounds bigger and Literally, like, yeah. and isn't yeah. in his conditioning is not that bad. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like he wasn't out of shape or anything like that. So, but I, you know, I, that's what I think you're going to see with these like smaller structured guys going into the open, even like a flex, like Derek Lundford, um, and, um, Hottie, like they're always going to come and shred it. They're always going to look freaky. But when you put them next to the bigger guy, like as long as the bigger guy is in reasonably good shape, I feel like in the open division, the judges are always going to go that route. And yeah. but I think you'll always have those guys floating around, like 
you know, that three, four, five, six spot. Yeah. That, that one and two spot is just going to be reserved for the bigger guys. That yeah. I, I think those, those guys can move up and go into a, a regular pro show and do well, win a, win a, a pro show like, you know, Chicago or whatever, something like that. But it's going to be a different story at the Olympia. Like you said, whenever they stand next to the biggest guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Mr. Olympia is about. What, what about Jason? What about classic guys? You know, classic pretty well. What about the, do you think that division needs like, I think it needs a short and a tall, uh, like split at least have a, a, a tall Mr. Olympia champion, a, a short Mr. Olympia. Like they, like they did in the seventies, eighties. I don't know. I mean, I think that would just, because I mean, look at your top five, you know, like you got Chris at six, one or whatever, then Terrence at five, five. And then, you know, like and Breon's what five, five, seven or so. And then you got another tall guy. Like, I mean, there's still placing them, you know, mix and match. So it's not like all the tall guys are dominating and all the short guys, you know, are getting pushed back. So I don't know if they really need to split it up or not. I mean, I when know. I was in classic, I mean, I think it was more the guys around my height that were beating me or, you know, or I was doing well, but you have those specimens like Chris Bumstead and stuff like that, that fill their frame out perfectly. And yeah, I think they're going to be dominant no matter what, because of the structure and the size, the height, everything just goes there. You just can't, can't help but stare at them when they come out. Do you think that height, it, height, is an advantage in any class then? If you can fill the frame out. If you fill yeah. the frame. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. I mean, in classic, it's a lot easier to fill the frame though. To because an you extent. have a cap. Well, uh, yeah. To an depends. extent though, because then you got people like, you know, Jamie, uh, who's how, how tall is Jamie? Like six, five, six, seven, six, five. And I think even when he does fill this frame out, it's just going to be hard for the judges to find where they want to put him next to people, you know? Not that he won't look amazing, but it's just hard for the judges to compare somebody that big no. and tall to somebody that's 5'8". It's a different structure. Look at that Morgan SD guy. Morgan Ast. Yeah. Like, he comes in. He came into the Arnold's peeled. I think it was the Arnold's. Like, two yeah, years ago? He was, he was he grainy. Was he looked nuts. And he was big. But, I mean, he, what, last place? Yeah, but, but he also doesn't have the structure shape. that Jamie has. Yeah, shape and structure is Yeah, exactly. If you're a taller guy with the shape and the structure and you filled it out, I think it's lights out at that point. For sure. And hard. Cedric McMillan, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Cedric. Everyone said forever, like, wait till that guy comes in shape. He's going to win the Olympia. <laughs> yeah. And but then also, in classic physique, I think the, the weight, uh, like, caps, when you get taller – I think they have an advantage yeah, there as well. Yeah. They're they're getting a lot more on their weight caps than the shorter guys are. Yeah, yeah. it's like a two two thirty five guy versus a one seventy five guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, what do you think is going to happen if if the two two thirty five guys peeled? That's it. Yeah, you know exactly. You're you're like, hoping for Chris, second. Chris can be up to point. Chris is what six one and he can be up to two forty. Yeah, two forty. And yeah. I'm five eight. I had to be one ninety two in classic. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what I do. And I and I had to fast for 24 hours to make 192. I was dying to make that weight. 
and fill out. It was, I couldn't have been any bigger whatsoever. And all the more reason to have two classes, two, two, like short and tall, all the more reason. Cause how's a guy like Terrence and Terrence is a great bodybuilder. In my opinion, like if you looked at them standalone, I, I would, I'd probably give Terrence the Olympia standalone, especially on presentation and other things. Right. But then you put them next to Chris, like how's the guy ever going to win? And no knock on Terrence. Cause I, I like him best out of the classic bodybuilders or whatever the fuck. But I mean, it's hard to say, like, you can't just say like, okay, Terrence can't beat Chris. So we need two classes. It's like, you're talking about Chris mm. being like the genetic <laughs> specimen, like of the fitness industry. And like, especially for classic physique, you know what I mean? Like nobody can beat that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, like he's but, saying, like, Terrence still placed ahead of the, of the fourth and fifth yeah. guy who were tall white guys. Exactly. Like you he know? still beat a lot of other tall guys. He yeah, just, right. but Chris is an anomaly. He's that, he's that good, man. It's just like, you know. But I, I, I think, though, that these guys that were in the fourth and fifth spot are going to be the next guys to give Chris some competition in these next mm-hmm. couple of years, like, as long as Chris keeps competing, obviously, because they do have the, the shape and structure and height to compete with him. Chris is just beating them on, like, muscle density and conditioning right now. But, you know, one that of Austrian kid. Sure, bit more. And they're, they're two young guys. Mm-hmm. Like they'll, they'll be there with them for sure. You know, let's say, let's say there's, you know, just for the sake of conversation, let's say Chris, there's no Chris in classic Mr. Olympia. Does Terrence win? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he was very close to winning this year in my, in, from what I saw, I think Chris was actually slightly harder last year. Um, and Terrence just keeps getting better. Yeah, especially at prejudging. I think, like, I had Terrence actually, like, beating Chris in some poses, I think, like, just from a conditioning standpoint, right? But and uh, I agree with that, but I would say that Chris, he took the lead just because of that improvement he made on his back. His back was literally twice the size. So, and I think that you can do that with the big frame, right? Like, with, with Terrence, like, I don't know how much more mass you can fit onto that back, you that's know? True. It True. just gets more dense. It doesn't really get that much wider. But with Chris, it was clear that it, he was much wider from the back. So and he, I think and it was he just like has that. room for improvement. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, exactly. It's like if you show up with big improvements, I think you get rewarded for it. I don't know. Maybe no. that's not true in Brandon's case. But at the same time, like, I don't know, Rami, he's just so much bigger and fucking imposing, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I, Chris still has the like you said the structure the big frame that he can still make a lot of improvements and come in better each year and like yeah terrence being smaller and shorter how much more can he do he can come in you know more detail and crisper and thicker but yeah i don't know how much like more width and you know you can put on that structure it's the same story across all the divisions right like i mean like how much better can sean create again right than like how much better can Hottie get, right? You know what, 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 sets, <laughs> what sets Chris apart aside from like his physique? I, I remember watching the speech and thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, like they need, they need Chris. Like you need a representative like this. You need a Mr. Olympia. So if Rami wins, I hate to say it, Rami's not going to give this elaborate, like heartwarming speech, right? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure if he delivered it in uh, whatever language he speaks, it's Egyptian, I'm not sure whatever language dialect it is, he'd be really, really good. But, you know, with, with Chris, like there's no representative like Chris, like look at his speech was like, 
Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it made people cry. Well, I can tell you, you know, from being on the same cell phone company as him for a while that he has quite the sway in uh, like bringing people to whether it's an organization or a company. Mm -hmm. right? So and I agree with you in that, that like, you know, the fact that classic physique is a division that kind of appeals to like a lot more like of the mainstream and general population than open bodybuilding wouldn't. And you have a guy like Chris to represent that. I think it's done a lot for like our sport in general, right? Because even we know as like open bodybuilders and stuff that, you know, the more people that just get involved in general, it's going to help us and like, you know, our part of the sport, right? So yeah, I mean, I think that guy's done nothing but benefit the sport as far as bringing more people into it, you know? Hope you're enjoying the Canadian Beef Podcast. Then, hey, whoa, hey, hey, where'd you get that shirt? It's making you look pretty big. This one? That one, yeah. Obviously, our sponsor around here in Canada. Okay, well, we do have a discount code for it, so maybe I should use that discount code and get beef myself. 20? Yeah, Beef 20 and check it. You guys should use that discount code. Make sure to use our discount code from Worldware Canada, Beef 20 at checkout, and continue liking these videos. So I, I, I'm just thinking about it, like, as a classic Mr. Olympia, do you think there's more potential to make money than open Mr. Olympia? It just depends on the person, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends I think on Chris, the person. Chris nailed it on all avenues, right? But like, who's to say that the next classic Mr. Olympia is going to be as like enthusiastic and do as much on social media and be as appealing to people as Chris is, right? Because Chris is this young guy. He's good looking. He's got the whole family thing going out, like Melissa and Ian and stuff like that. Like, but I mean, like, if your next classic physique Olympia is like this guy from Brazil, like, I mean, how much of an impact is he going to have on like North America? the fitness industry yeah. like maybe a big one right but but you know i think it just i agree yeah. yeah it's irrelevant it's what class you know chris is in it, chris could be open and he'd still have the same appeal although he, he just isn't it's the, the matter of well, fact like, he isn't look at jay cutler and phil Heath, yeah right like as mr olympias you know what yeah. i mean like like after Jay's reign, like he was like the man, like the ambassador for the sport. Like everyone loves Jay and stuff like that. Like, you know, Phil Heath, like that poor guy, like after his third win, everyone just like hated him. <laughs> like, you know, like basically, like, you know what I mean? He was kind of like the villain, Mr. Olympia. And like, and it's only since, since he lost the title that people are like, oh, we want Phil to come back. And we want Phil to come back and win and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I just think it just depends on the person more so than the title, I guess. I agree. Yeah, that's just the way the way Chris carries himself. That's what's gonna make it. If somebody else comes along and, carry, and carries himself the way they that he does, the way and just markets himself markets themselves that way. That's what's gonna appeal to people. Like Regan, yeah. Regan had a good marketability. I think what you're gonna see now is though is, is because like this new crop of guys is moving in. Like uh, you know, I feel like it's just going to be that way now anyway because like we all know that this is the way it is right like whereas like up until now like you still had some of the guys from the old guard like that were like stuck in the older ways like before social media like phil heat right like he was kind of mr olympia like before social media was a big thing but now it's almost like there's a new standard right and it's like you know if you're going to be mr olympia like <laughs> you're going to be on your phone a lot <laughs> like advertising promoting things <laughs> stuff like that right? so it's part of the job now i feel like right yeah you think, what do you think of all this i mean i agree with you the social media thing has definitely changed it uh, and i i do believe that the classic physique actually is more appealing to but the general like you said i think they have more room for actually probably getting more 
sponsors and, and more people to follow them uh, just because it's more appealing. But uh, I'm still an open bodybuilder guy and I'll always be like that. But uh, <laughs> but as in Phil Heath, I saw that too because I kind of experienced it. I was right at the start of all the social media stuff and it did change, man. It changed everything. And I think uh, Phil Heath was right in that range when it was kind of changing. And uh, you could definitely tell with Jay, he was kind of the old school and everyone still loved him. But Phil Heath, like you said, when he was in there and, and he lost, now they want him back, but uh, I, I've always been a Phil Heath fan. I, I would like to see him come back, and I would like to see Kai Green come back. That's he was one of my favorites. I think Kai Green can give anyone a run on stage right now, guaranteed. At this time, you think Kai Green's still I relevant? Agree. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. Kai Green all the way. I don't know what I wish he would have won the Olympia when he was doing it. I wish he would have. He's one of my favorite ones. His posing, his just his lines, his mass, his conditioning was always on. Uh, one of my favorite ones, you know what I mean? I wish that he would get back into it. I think he could still take on the top three right now. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yep. I agree. Kai Green was one of my favorites too. He still is, but I just, I don't know. He's been out of the game for a while. Could be like another Kevin. Lewis. He's been training hard. I don't think he's sure. been out of the game though. I think he's been yeah. in, I think he's been in it, like deep in it. Uh, like, do you think he can bring huge. the same level of conditioning? As he used to, like if you really, really went into show, like how much older is Kai now? Hands like, down, I think, hands down. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think Kai would be just as big, just as conditioned, just as freaky. The only thing that might be a little bit different would be maybe his waist size might not be what he used to. Yeah, that might be the only I, thing. I can see that. I can see that too. Because he's because he might even be bigger, you know, like than he was. Mm. I don't know, but but that mm. at some point, like that waist, it does start to go like over time. So, uh, Eric, I, I just wanted to ask you, like, because you just mentioned that you were kind of like you're in the game, like when social media was becoming like more relevant. So, like, what was it like, like amongst you guys when that was coming up? Like, did you guys kind of think the social media, like Instagram, was just going to like come and kind of go away, or like did you see it becoming like what it was, like what it is now? Like, like where was your head at, like when that was happening? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Instagram was like the worst thing ever <laughs> when it first came out <laughs> because that wasn't me. I, I was never like an open book. I always kind of like to, to hide things and not know what people know what I was doing. And now it's just totally different. Everyone knows everything. But uh, so like I, I was kind of not really against it, but I really wasn't in the game. And I think I wish I kind of was in the game when it first started. I think I could uh, have had a lot, a lot more followers and done better with my Instagram accounts and everything, but that was really never me. And it still really isn't me because I really don't care how many followers I have or, or whatever. I just kind of post stuff to be stupid, honestly. Uh, <laughs> um, but you guys are good at it now. I mean, hands down, I, I commend all of you for, for everything you guys do on there. I follow you guys on all your Instagrams and watch everything. And it still amuses me to this day. I mean, but yes, it was never like that when uh, we competed. It was all forums. We talked about it before, Robin, all the time. Yeah. Actually, and no, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask yeah. you, do you, do you think that you would have been like Eric the House Fankhauser if social media was like as prevalent as it, as it is now? Do you think that Dorian would have been Dorian? Do you think that Jay would have been Jay? Like if these guys and yourself, if you had to do kind of like what we're doing now, like do you think it would have been really hard for you guys? And do you think it would have changed who you were? Because, you know, like it was like we were talking about before. It was like, it was like more elusive, you know, it's like when Eric showed up, it was like, we didn't see much of him. We just, you know, we'd see like one day out like hotel room pictures and they looked fucking crazy. And we knew that you were bringing something special, but 
do you think that would have changed like your demeanor? Do you think that would have changed like mm-hmm. the way that you felt during preps and things like that to kind of have to juggle both? Yeah, it definitely would have changed. And um, I think it would have changed for the better, honestly. I mean, for me personally, like I said, I'm still not into that, but I think it's been great for the sport. I mean, it's got more people involved. So, but for me, as in the change of it, even to this day, I don't think I would still post as much me personally, because that's just because I'm old school. Um, But it it definitely changed it, man. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I actually landed my first photo shoot by posting a a picture on uh, some random forum and someone saw it. And uh, that's how I got my first photo shoot. It was just like a stupid back shot. I wasn't even, uh, I was an amateur bodybuilder at the time. And uh, actually, and that's how Animal signed me. They saw a picture of my calf on one of the uh, forums and they signed me to a contract just by seeing my calf. <laughs> because they wanted to do calf. Yeah. Oh, Not that many people can say they got signed from anything from seeing somebody's calves. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not lying. It was just some random picture that I had put on a forum. And uh, it was just a picture of my calf. And like, I'm, get, I'm like, you know, with forum, you don't really see people or can really talk to them. I mean, you text or tight but you don't really know if the person on the other who they are and i'm getting all these messages we're like we want to do this photo shoot i'm like come on this is kind of shady you know uh, with all these photo shoots well um and i had only done like one show at the time they sent me out to california and i'm like real leery of this they're paying for everything and i do the photo shoot and um then all of a sudden like they're wanting to sign me and and then i'm on all their ads it was kind of crazy you know how it all went down but it was just from it, it stems back to just from pictures on uh the forums Forums. which is kind of like the social media now yeah actually i think it was more exclusive because that happened to me too eric when i was starting when i started bodybuilding in 2010 11 i think i posted something on a canadian forum and uh, i got called out by some company in toronto and flown out not flown out i I drove out but they paid all my expenses and paid for the shoot and they uh, put together a website with like our photos but I think it was different because there was like some more exclusivity there. Like now with social media, there's a million people with the forums. There were only so many bodybuilders, like about 400, five, maybe there were a thousand on like RX muscle or T nation or something. Right. So there were a lot less and a lot less people posting. Now it's like, I don't know how many people post on, I, I look at my Instagram feeds and I think to myself, like, wow, there are so many different physiques and there are so many like good physiques out there that aren't even pro yet. And some really yeah. shitty pros, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> and some people that you're like, how did this guy go pro? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy, but it's true. There's so many good physiques and there's so many like physiques that may not be deserving, but there's so many physiques. Like you see them every day and you're like, where the fuck did this guy come from? Who is he? Hold how the, how the fuck is he not pro yet? You know what I mean? There's also like a million like different companies that are like, like every day there's like a new message. It's like fucking some brownie company. Like, hey, we want to send you brownies. <laughs> you I'm be- like, I don't eat brownies. They're like, oh, don't worry, it's protein brownies. I'm like, okay, great. Here's my address. Send me a couple. I'll try them out. They're like, oh no, we want you to. We, we're going to give you a discount code, but we want you to buy them first. I'm like, no, I'm not buying your fucking brownies, okay? Like, <laughs> but every day it's something. <laughs> yeah, it's true. DM bots. Yeah, I have like 45 messages that are unread, and they're all like trying to sell me shit. Well, it's also like, I don't know if you guys knew this now, but like once you sign up for a membership, like you got to automatically put fitness at the end of your Instagram name. Like your, 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 your Instagram automatically becomes a fitness account when you just get your first two membership, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Everybody has a fitness account now. Everybody has a fitness account. It's insane, man. 
Everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift heavy weights. Lightweight, baby. Yeah, everybody wants to be a bodybuilder. I, I think everybody wants to lift the heavy weights, but nobody really wants, wants to eat that much food. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude, it hurts to lift heavy weight. Okay, so here, here, here's actually an interesting topic because I had some guy ask me at the gym today, where, you know, I'm sure you guys get this too, where someone will come up and they'll say, hey, you know, I want to do uh, maybe classic, maybe bodybuilding. I'm not too sure yet. You know, uh, the only thing is I, don't, I just don't want to take that many drugs, you know? And I'm like, well, hold on a second. You know, like, let me enlighten you. You know, listen, like at the end of the day, everybody takes around about the same amount of drugs, but it's yeah. the amount of food that you have to eat. And he's like, oh, you know, like uh, I just don't want to take that many drugs. <laughs> you know, it's just like he just like it went in one ear and out the other. I'm like, oh, the other. That's, I'm like, I was like, cool, man. Just do whatever class makes you happy. But it's, it's a very interesting misconception that it's like, yeah. really, what it comes down to is how much food you can eat. I food and training intensity. Like, if you have absolutely no intensity, you see these yes. kids are doing men's physique, and they have absolutely no intensity, and they're not lifting fucking weight. They're not lifting any weight. Even the I mean, so, Robin, you can't say it's all food, because some of these kids food. don't even train. No, I mean, some you, of these... You could train balls to the wall. You could train your hardest. You could train harder and heavier than someone who eats more than you, you're not going to get as big as them. You're just not. You're right. But it's synergistic. Like if you're yeah, you need eating to train. a shit ton of food and training like a pussy, it's also not going to, you're not going to grow like that either. So like, in, in my opinion, both. eating is a lot easier than training. Hard, heavy I love for both, years. So it depends. I love yeah. Yeah. You know, if you love them, it's no problem. But I'm saying like, let's say you get a really good, like when you do rack pulls, like when I did rack pulls with Robin, I, I drove five hours to Toronto. I drove five hours and then we started doing rack pulls. Like your lower back's already tight as fuck. Like that's not a day I wanted to do any rack pulls at all. I actually didn't want to do anything that day. Well, you, you just got out of your car and started rowing four plates on the machine. Like I, I, I know, you, but that, that's what I mean. Like I don't even think you warmed up. <laughs> there, there, there are circumstances where you don't want to train heavy balls to the wall. But you yeah. got to do it. So, like I love training, but there are days where it's like I'm sore, I'm tired, especially at forty. You got to do it. It just comes down to passion, man. When it comes about, yeah, it comes down to passion. I agree. Like, you got to think- walk through shit more than you want to breathe. That's the only way you're going to do it because yeah. there's nobody want, that wants to eat six meals every day. There's nobody that wants to train balls to the walls five days a week, like every time you walk in the gym. But it's just the people that can do it over and over again when they don't want to do it that get something with it, you know. So. But I totally agree with you. I mean, I get that shit all the time too. Same thing. Like, you know, like, like what do I got to do to get big like that? And like, it's almost like when you tell people that it just comes down to how much they eat, like they think you're full of shit. Like you're like, how could it come down to something like so simple? Like there's no science experiment involved. Like I just have to track how much I eat, make sure I'm in the calorie surplus. Like yeah. when like, you know, you combine that with hard training, that's what it comes down to. But people just don't want to believe that because they don't want to believe that your success is based off something so simple either. I don't think. Right. But I also, I think that's one going back to the social media thing, growing, getting bigger and bigger. That's something negative that has come out of it is because it's everyone, everyone's so open about it now. And before, you know, you really had to be in the gym for a few years before anyone would even talk to you about anything like that. And now it's like, since it's so open and talked about all these kids just getting started, think that's the first thing they need to do. Yeah, they got to go get on. It's almost stuff. like it's too open now. Like I, I know what you mean. It's like it's good that like the information's out there, but that's the thing, right? Like when everyone has a voice, yeah. there's a lot of people putting out shitty information too. And and I find the guys that talk about drugs the most are usually the guys that know the least about it. 
And like, yeah. they're just trying to do it for like clout and stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like just to get views because they're talking about like a taboo topic or whatever. But I mean, sometimes like even, you know, guys are supposed to be knowledgeable and I hear them talk about cycles and I'm just like, man, like that's double what I take. And I'm like 300 pounds fucking lean. Like what the yeah. fuck? Like, you know, I was, like, I've had so many clients come to me and I'm like, all right, we got to get you off of all this stuff that you're taking. Cause I've never taken a third of that. And then <laughs> I, get, I get them clean and then we start them on something simple, not even half of what they were doing and they make the most progress and best gains they've made in years I know everyone thinks just more is better all the time and that's not it they probably can't even eat because of all how toxic their body is this is the first year that i noticed that people will contact me and they just want to buy like i like they're just like hey robin you know i want to buy like a ped program I'm like, oh, well, you know, I, I offer full service coaching, you <laughs> diet training, everything's included. They're like, oh, I just want the PED program. I'm like, okay, well, guess what? It's going to be the same price. They're like, okay, cool. PED program, please. I'm like, don't you understand that the coaching is the same price and it includes everything? Why wouldn't you want training diet? Because that's what's going to get you the results. They're like, okay, cool. Like send me that program and uh, yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. I'm like, all right, I guess kind of reluctant, reluctant to do that. However, I do know that I'm going to probably prescribe them less than someone else will. And I do still like before they even, even if they've already paid me and I say, okay, cool, go get your blood work. If they don't show me blood work and I know that they're actually okay to do a cycle, I'll just be like, sorry, man, here's your money back. Yeah, that's fair. Cause at that point, like they're not, I don't know the way I see it is like, there's different levels of client, right? Like there's the client that's all in and they're just like, they're just like, yes, coach, let's go. You know, it's like, you give them the program. Yes, coach, they get it done next week. Here's my check-in. Yes, coach, get it done. Then there's those ones that are kind of like, I just want the training or I just want the diet or I just want the PED. And then it's like, well, you're kind of missing out on like the other entire half of your program, right? It's, it's all got to be synergistic. Like we're saying, it's like, yes, you can eat the most, but if you don't train very well, you're going to get kind of sloppy and fat, or you can train like an absolute beast, but if you don't eat enough, you don't recover, you don't grow. So, I don't know. I was just explaining to a younger kid over DM, like this kid DM me about, again, the, the, the bodybuilding drugs. It's like mm. everything's cyclical in bodybuilding, right? Mm. Your body needs rest. Your body needs time to grow. Your body needs time. To, you got to cut down at one point and things will change there. Like everything is cyclical. Like, because he, he was, let, let's just, hypothetically, this, you know, when people are doing just one thing to get big and they don't see it yet because they're just starting out. So let's just say he's hypothetically on a, a pretty big cycle, in my opinion, but he's not seeing that bodybuilder look. I'm like, man, it's going to take time. It doesn't just happen in four months. You don't get a bodybuilder look, especially what you're using. These compounds aren't going to deliver that Olympia level or even pro mm -hmm. look. That's going to take time. You've got to have thin skin. You've got to like be really lean. Like, and that, at that point you can change your cycle but you're you're not even close to there you need years before you people get people don't want to believe that it takes years like no, you know like it's, it's been 10 years now since i started bodybuilding and I, I turned pro in like my 10th year essentially right but it's like like 10 years like you tell that to a kid and he's just like forget about it man like if he can't if he can't be where he wants to be in like six or seven because like especially kids six or days, seven months not because i'm so old or anything but like it's it's this we live in this world of like instant gratification right and like you know, the generation underneath us, like those yeah. like the kids who are 18, 19, 20 now, they've they've only lived in this like social media filled world of like instant gratification of like skip the dishes, Uber Eats, like everything's at their, you know, whatever they want, they have, right? But that's true. They can't get that with this shit. And and 
I think that's why we have so many like Instagram fitness, like men's physique boys, because like they just want to do enough to like have that like role of like being like the fit jack guy in the gym. But then like, you know, as far as having to do what it takes to get further than that, like, you know, what maybe five or 10% of people that like lift actually have that in them, like to take it as far as like we've taken it. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's got to come down to like, a desire, something that you want for yourself so badly, because when you get that, that gratification from other people, I was, I forget who I was talking to this about, but we were talking about how, cause I, I was training at pure muscle and fitness, right? So everybody there, we got like, well, you know, Mo, like we got, we got Antoine, we got Regan, we got like a crew of pro bodybuilders. So when, when I'm training there, I don't feel like I'm the guy, like it's, you know, I, I don't go in there. Like I own this gym. Whereas if you walk into like a good life or a fit for less, you're probably going to be the biggest and baddest guy there, but does that serve you? Does that serve your mindset? Probably not, man. Cause you're the guy that sticks out. So people are watching you and you're just like, fuck yeah, look at me, you know? And I don't know. I don't really like that. Right. I, I would rather blend in because everybody else around me is also freaky and fucking killing it. Right. So it's like, it's a different mindset, right? Cause when you're there and you're trading amongst guys who are better than you, you have that drive to be better. But exactly. So like, what are you training for? Right. And that's, and I know when I was younger, same thing, like my, my first goal was to just be the biggest guy, like in my local gym. Right. Yep. Because I, I think when we're younger, we, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, like we do it for like egotistical reasons in a certain sense, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, you want to get big, like you want to be like the alpha male and stuff like that. But like, as you progress in bodybuilding and, and competing, especially like your, your passion also develops. Right. So, and, and you become more humble, especially if you go to a national show and get killed twice. Like I did. Like, I know for me, like that completely humbled me. And like, even though I was still coming home and being the biggest guy in the gym, I'm like, okay, well, to the rest of Canada, I'm not shit. And like, I knew that. And like, and like, that's how I was able to push myself, even though there's like no other big guys and stuff around to train with or surround myself with. Right. But I definitely had like four or five years of, of that mentality that definitely held me back. Like just thinking I was the shit when I was really just a big fish in a small pond, you know, but I think either you have to take yourself out of that mindset and just you know know what you're working for or like you said robin like just surround yourself with guys that are on your level or better than you and like that's what's going to push you or put you in the right mindset you need to be the to get to a different level right yeah like the cool thing with that you know i just thought of this the cool thing with social media though now is that like we can get together we can do stuff like this it's like i can message like you know i can message mo he's like way out in the east you know i can message jason he's down in florida i can message eric i don't even know where eric lives where do you live eric uh, West Virginia. You ever heard West, of that? Right. It, it's, but, but before that, you know, West Virginia. when there was no social media, how would, you know, Eric, did you, did you have like other friends that were pros and like, did you guys like call each other and like, Hey man, like, how's your training? Like, did you, did you ever shoot the shit with other pros when, when you were coming up and stuff or? Uh, a few, uh, not too many. I mean, I was always really good friends with Flex Lewis. Okay. Um, I, I was a good friends with Seth Ferrosi. Cause he lives right in Pittsburgh. That's I'm right outside of Pittsburgh. Um, but other than that, I really never really see any other pros unless I was at the Arnold classic or different expos. Never had any really contact with them. Yeah. It was different, right? Cause you, you, you probably didn't see much of anybody until you showed up to compete. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever consider like moving somewhere like to like New York or Venice, California or somewhere like that, where there was more pros so that you could train around them or like, was that just not even something you considered? No, nah, I never considered that, man. I, I like my home gym, you know what I mean? Just being at home. Uh, I didn't really want to be in the spotlight or any big gym like that. So I was always content with being at, at the gym I was at. 
So when you turn pro, like, was that like a big thing, like in your area? Like, did people like start treating you different or like anything like that? Like, yeah, it was because actually I was the first pro in my state in West Virginia. So uh, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, it was blasted all over like the news and the newspaper. So it was pretty cool. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool, man. I mean, they did a ton of stories on me and uh, put me on all these magazines and newspaper articles and things like that. So it, it was pretty cool. And I'm from a really small town. So uh, I was posted up all over the billboards and everything on all the local restaurants. And when I did the Olympia, they had like, banners all up in the town like you see at high school football games you know what i mean Man, just like yeah so like when i came back home like they had a big surprise party for me and everything so it was pretty cool man i think that's why i kind of like the where i was at it was the environment was very supportive of it the yeah tight knit community yeah yes. eric when you compete at the olympia too you'd see all the pros like you'd see all uh, you'd see jay i would assume You'd see everyone. I mean, just at the show, you know what I mean? I never yeah, saw yeah. him before that. I mean, I saw him on stage and that's about it. Maybe at me the Olympia. Did you talk to them backstage? Like, nah, I never bothered Jay backstage, man. I was pretty quiet. You know what I mean? I, I did see and hang out with a lot of the guys at the, uh, I used to guest pose at the uh, Pittsburgh show. Uh, cool. Jim Mannion does. I, I did that show, uh, guest posed at it a few times. So I, I, I did get to like talk to him at expos and things like that. Um, but other than that, man, I honestly had no contact with any of them. Cool. I find pros like I, I, being an amateur myself, like I find pros really accessible nowadays compared to maybe what it was before, because like, I'll go to an expo, like I'll go to the Arnold's and like legends like, um, flex Wheeler. I mean, nobody's talking to him. I was there. Flex Wheeler was alone at the Arnold's Lee priest. Like nobody's there. It's, it's really weird. Like, it's really weird. And they're all in line for, like, um, these Instagram or, or YouTube personalities. So I don't even get it. You know, I think it's, again, with the social media, like, you know, I guess people are so used to, like, having all these access to people that, like, if they feel like they don't already know them from social media, they're probably, like, a lot more hesitant to go, like, talk to them. Because, mm -hmm. like, obviously, like, Flex Wheeler and Lee Priest haven't been very, very, like, active on social media over the years or, like, you know, if at all, right? So as we're like, you know, the younger bodybuilders and the Instagram people, like these younger fans, like kind of feel like they know them because these people have YouTube channels and they're blogging and, and, and you can message these people and they, and they'll talk to you. Right. Like, as opposed to, I feel like back in like Eric's day, like when he was competing, like, like he said, like you only see Jay like once a year. So like, you know, it's like seeing a ghost, like you're like, Holy shit. Like it's Jay Cutler. Like, you know, but if Jay was every day on his Instagram, putting out stories, like, Hey guys, like ask me any questions you want. Like I'll answer, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, he's super personable. So you're going to go talk to him and you see him. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like personally, like I, I, I wish I could kind of go back in time sometimes. Cause like, I would love to be able to like not know what any bodybuilders look like. And then like go to watch the Olympia and just like see the guys come out. Like that must've been pretty cool too. Like social media is great, but like also that like not knowing what people are going to look like and not having access to people would be pretty sweet too like you know in its own here's way. a question though for, for from the perspective of the general public like now i go outside and i meet people and you know being being a bigger guy it's like um a little bit more normal i find because of social media like people don't act like remember when those videos of marcus rule were posted and marcus rule would go into walmart granted marcus rule was a freak like i don't want to compare myself to marcus rule but do you remember those videos? Like when a big guy would go into Walmart, people would be just gawking and like, what the fuck is that? 
Like, I don't think it's the same anymore because of social media. People are somewhat desensitized. Where, where I live, it is. I was about to say, I still get it in Walmart when I'm grocery well, shopping and stuff. And then sure. when I had a, I had a classic physique pro stay with me between uh, the Chicago pro and the Tampa pro, he was from Tunisia and he stayed with me. And when we would go into the grocery store together after the gym to get stuff, it was just like we'd have people stopping us and taking, asking for pictures and stuff. And then, cause we're both walking around in like tank tops and stuff. And it was just, we were all pumped from leaving the gym. And it, it was just funny because like, okay, I'll get looks and people making comments when I'm walking by myself. But when we're both walking in there together, it was just, it was hilarious. It all, depends, it all depends on what you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. It, it does, yeah, that's true. It depends on what you're wearing. Yeah, yeah you're not going to catch me in a grocery store with tank top on. So I know what's coming. Yeah, I usually yeah. try and wear. I'll, I'll try and bring a cover if I know I'm have to go to the grocery store right after the gym or something like that. I'm like, I got to throw something else on over this, just for the sake of saving time. <laughs> yeah, the older I get, the, the less I want to show, the less I care. So I'm wearing like for Robin. You gave me like a four XL sweater, I think. Yeah, it's like huge. The less you care, I think, with time, the longer you do this, the less you care about how. You oh, so it. true. Yeah, that's so true. You just, like whatever. I, you, I'm a body like, you, just, you don't care what anyone thinks, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. When you like, start this, you're like wearing the tightest shirt, right? Like I'm sure we all went through a phase oh, yeah, where we were, were like we were coming into it and wearing small shirts or medium shirts. Yeah. Oh, but when I, think, I first, when when I first to... started getting into it, and I was like. I was still kind of going out on the weekends and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, party. like mediums that are like skin tight, just, just, <laughs> just to show off a little bit of gains. Yeah. It's so nice to get back. that though, like when you know your physique is like validated, whether like you're a good national level competitor or you turn pro and like, then you're just like, okay, like I don't need to try to look good anymore. Like I know I look good. So then you just wear whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can look big in a paper bag. That's what I, uh, in, a, in a garbage bag, I can put a garbage bag on you see the traps on the shoulders. So who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly. You still look big in a three XL. Like you made it. <laughs> when, I, when I was like 21 and I was still going out and stuff and partying, most of my clothes are just like this, like three, four XL baggy, whatever. I don't care. I have tank tops. Obviously I have some nicer clothes too, but I would always borrow my buddies shirts and they'd look like Paul's, you know, they'd be like, you know, cause I never had any of those shirts, but he was also like a couple sizes smaller than me. <laughs> so super tight. And I go to the club and be like, yeah. Um, now, now it's, now it's different. Now it's like, I don't know. I feel like I have my days. Like some days I'm like, don't look at me at all. Some days I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, I, I'm cool. Like I'll do posing trunks today and just, you know, show everything off. It just really depends on the mindset. Yeah. You'll walk outside in posing trunks. What? Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I did it in the summertime. I was Walmart like, I would just go, I would trunks? like, I would just go tan outside. I was just laying outside in my posing trunks so I could get a good tan. And, and then I, you know, people would drive by and I would just like, you know, wave at them or whatever. Cause they were like, they were driving and they would just be like, so I just wave, you know, like, Hey, what's going on? You know? Man, guys, friendly with people, right? Because they they look at you like, oh, right now. Fine. You will not see me in posing trunks. <laughs> you, you, you sure they're not like? Is that dude in a thong? <laughs> is that really big dude in a thong? Like, what's no, well, going people, on there? People would, you know, people would come over to me and they they'd be interested. They're like, "What are you doing? What what is that that you're wearing?" And I'm like, "I'm just tanning." And they're like, "Oh, don't you have like have any shorts?" I'm like, "Of course I have shorts, but I'm trying to tan my legs." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, was, yeah. And they're like, okay, Arnold cool. used to do Joe, Joe Weeder. Joe, Joe Weeder used to make guys do that, right? Back in Arnold's day to, to popularize the sport, he'd get like Franco and Arnold to walk down the, the beach in like posing trunks. I don't know. I guess they were Speedos Probably. or whatever they were. 
Did, did you ever pose, Eric? This Eric did you ever pose for like Jim Mannion or anybody? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I never. I posed. Uh, Gary used to pose. I used to pose for him a few times, and I just from going to the Pittsburgh shows and all that. But I, I never posed for him. No. Did you ever work with a posing coach at all? Uh. I had a, a coach, but he really wasn't a posing coach, but he helped me with my diet and everything. But other than that, I did all my posing myself. Who was your think, coach? Do you think that posing coaches are more of like a, like a newer age thing? Like, did you guys, did most of the pros not have posing coaches back then? I can't speak for everybody, but I would say it's not as popular. No, yeah. I, it wasn't as popular as now. Because now, now we got like a specific, we got specific coaches that do posing and you got another coach that does your diet then you got another coach that does your training it does i think it used to be more like all in one now we have like bigger groups of people that we work with i guess yeah i'd say it was kind of an all-in-one deal i mean obviously i didn't really know much about it but it, i mean i learned through i guess just doing it myself and watching videos of other people doing it yeah but uh i mean in all honesty i mean i had a guy that helped me with my diet and uh a little bit with posing and everything else i did myself what, what about you guys? Did you use posing coaches like for your last shows or anything? Uh, I've, I've reached out to several people and just, just to get feedback. You know, I've talked to Terrence Ralphin before and just gotten feedback from him. I've talked to uh, Alyssa Kiesling, uh, the classic queen. She's reached out. She'll just DM me sometimes when I post a picture. I'm like, hey, try this with you when you pose like that and stuff like that. But I've never really hired. I've never hired a posing coach or anything. No, I think getting good feedback from other people and just having a second eye of people that know what they're looking for is enough for me. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think it's enough. I think, I think now that I'm, I'm seeing how, how important the presentation is, uh, I've hired someone to start working like throughout the next 16 months. Cause I, I just, I've worked with many posing coaches, but I, I really fortunate to find opposing coaches like extremely detailed and like, pushes me really hard with the posing I've had posing coaches who kind of just they take you through it and they just think they watch you but they don't necessarily like make the right changes you know or they don't maybe they don't like push you harder than you'd push yourself so you can get through a posing session right and you can you can pose and you think it looks great but then you have it's like training and you have that guy or that girl that just it's like okay I just want you to do this one change and all of a sudden it's like oh fuck why is this so hard to hold now and then that's that's really where you get that result I yeah think. it's funny you say it like that because mm. when that classic guy from tunisia was staying with me and we were posing together he did change like help me change some of my poses and it was just a slight little tweak that he made that made all the difference in certain certain ways i'll say the poses so i understand you know having someone that is gonna you know coach you through it and make you you know, find those different ways to hit it right. Or even just the posing conditioning, making you go through those poses for, you know, minute long sessions and then repeat it and just having that conditioning on stage when you get up there. You guys have to go see after this, when we get off, you got to go to YouTube and type in uh, Fuad Abiyad 2017 Arnold posing routine. If you guys haven't I seen, I've it, seen it, I, yeah. I think it's one of the best posing routines I've ever seen. Fuad's posing routine? It's so good that I watched it three times in a row, and I'm like, holy fuck, <laughs> I want to do that, you know? It's not just the routine. It's the mandatories, too. It's so important. I I didn't see the importance in, 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 in posing with someone like, 
you know, repeatedly until Robin helped me out with posing this here. I, I find that it really helps change your, it changes your whole structure if you pose the proper way. Like if you, yeah. if you pose improperly, you don't, you don't, you don't show off half your physique, but you guys are, you guys are probably way past that point. At oh, least I still have trouble with certain poses. I mean, yeah, not me. especially not as me. I've gotten bigger, like some, some of my poses mm-hmm. have gotten worse because just, mm-hmm. you know, I have to hit them. I used to be great at the front last spread. The past few shows, it has been my worst pose. And I don't know why, and I've been working on fixing that, but it's just like, I don't know if it's a mobility thing or just being able to open up with the new muscle that I've built, but I mean, it changes as you grow for sure. The other question is, Jason, how do you catch that? Do you see it like retrospectively in the pictures? Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, right? I I saw it last year at the, uh, um, at the New York pro in, even though I ended up getting second place at the New York pro, I just, I looked back and that was the one pose that was just horrible. What did you notice about it? Like what made you say like, Oh shit. I just wasn't opening up. I would look like I was almost trying to hit a, a rear last bed from the front. Mm-hmm. I was like almost coming forward with it. Like, and I just, I wasn't opening anything up. And for some reason, it's just been a struggle to get it right. I'll practice it and I'll hit it perfect all through practice. And then I get on stage and screw it up somehow. You know, and I look back, I'm like, shit, I did it wrong again. So that's been the main focus. And the judges even told me like this year at the Tampa Pro, like one of my main feedbacks was to increase work on flexibility and stretching so I can hit those poses better. Yeah. Yeah, that was like me uh, this prep with my side tricep. Like I would hit my side tricep in the mirror perfect every time. And then I would step away from the mirror and take a video and I could never hit it. Like I could hit it in the mirror. It was absolutely brutal. But like, I know for me, I'm the same as you, Robin. Like I plan on hiring a posing coach soon to work like the whole off season, because that was my biggest critique after nationals with my presentation. And like, I, I practice posing more than I ever did for this prep and like, like almost an hour every day, but it was really just like going through my mandatories and like not really paying attention to like, my transitions and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that was like my biggest critique uh, from the judges after the show. They were just like, yeah, like before I, before I step on a pro stage, they were like, fix that presentation and posing. So that's like, yeah, I'm definitely going to hire a posing coach because I know like if I try to do it myself, I'm just going to keep practicing the same way and like not, and just keep the same bad habits. And like, I feel like you need someone to help you break those bad habits and like put new good ones in your head kind of thing. Right. So do you have coaches, posing coaches, like, in person or are y'all doing like Skype sessions and stuff? Well, it's going to have to be over Skype for me. There's no, there's no one in Newfoundland, Canada. I don't like that. That's, that's why I'm wondering because there's no one like in my like immediate vicinity that I would be able to go to for that. It would have to be like a Skype thing. I can't no get into it when it's, when it's a Skype. I, I can't like, I don't know. How, it's different. When, when it's in person, like I put on my music, they're there. They're, you know, like I, I think I learned better with touch. So yes. I think that's why it's it's so important for me to work with someone in person. But everybody's that's another different. Reason why I, yeah. I haven't, you know, thought about getting a coach is because it would have to be a Skype thing. And I'm just like not that type of learner. I need someone there that can, if I'm, I can't figure it out through the cues you're giving me, you can move me yeah. and show me, you know, exactly what I need to do. So like, I've, I'm not saying it's not beneficial to have the Skype, but for me personally, I just think I wouldn't learn as well that way. Yeah, uh, I I don't think you can really learn well over a Zoom session or a Skype session. It's just you, you, you don't, don't have that kinesthetic sense. sense. You gotta like, fix your mic, Paul. 
Oh, sit on your mic. Yeah. No, it's it's off now. <laughs> yeah, there's a girl here that works with uh, Kenny Wallach. Yeah, he's apparently the best, right? Yeah, she she was doing like Skype sessions and stuff with him, and she said yeah. that uh, she she found it pretty beneficial. So I think I, I might give him a shot just because like, I know someone who worked with it, just to see if it works for me. But if not, Robin, uh, you're gonna have to learn as much as you can, and then when I come to Toronto at the end of November, you just have to teach me everything. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that would be sick because then we can we can battle out. We can like pose together and stuff. Oh, dude, yeah. Cool. That's that's gonna that's gonna happen for sure, man. Yeah, it's gonna be sick. Oh, but it's pretty good, Mo. Can you guys hear me again? Whoa, no. No, it sounds really bad. Yo, can um, I uh, ask Eric a question? Is it okay if we change topics a little bit? Of course, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So uh yeah, Eric, I just wanted to ask you this because I'm sort of like you in the in the sense of like I've been lower body dominant like my whole bodybuilding career. Like I always had the legs, but like you know, my whole career has been trying to bring out my upper body. So I just wanted to ask you, like, did you ever have a point or entertain the idea of like training your legs less or like not training them to like let your upper body come up so that you could be more proportionate or like was your mindset to just always have the craziest fucking legs that you couldn't let them off? No, I uh, actually in the off seasons, I would tone off on the leg training. Uh, wouldn't hit them as much. Um, I now in season training, I would always train my legs to bring out more definition and everything. But during the off season, I wouldn't train my legs as hard. I was kind of blessed with good legs, so I, I didn't have to like squat heavy to, to get big thighs or anything like that. I would always leg press, but I always I was always a uh, higher rep guy anyway, higher volume, uh, not necessarily the heavier weight uh, when it came to legs. And I think that's how I usually got all my uh, definition in there also. But in the off season, I would always tone down on the leg training, maybe hit so it once you, a couple weeks. You, would you just, oh, so you would just take down the frequency. It's like just train them once every two weeks instead of like every week. Yeah, I wouldn't train them every week in the off season, especially when I was deep into my off season trying to grow. I always tried to focus on my weaker body parts and my legs didn't have a tendency to get smaller. Uh, they kind of stayed the same if I didn't train them. So, um, which I was blessed with that, but uh, I did always try to focus on my weaker body points, body parts while I was in the off season. So even though you were just hitting legs once every two weeks, like where you would like you train them hard, like when you trained them or would it still just, would you kind of tone off on the training intensity as well? Uh, I would train them hard still, but I would, like I said, definitely not as frequent and uh, I wouldn't put quite as much volume into it. I would, instead of like uh, training, say hamstrings or just quads, I would break it up and just do a whole leg day. I was always big in season doing a just like hamstrings or just quads and breaking it up into different days during the week uh, to bring out better definition and in season. But uh, during the off season, I would just do just like a leg day and I would train just everything, even calves during that leg day. But uh, the volume wouldn't be quite as high as in sets or reps per, per uh, body part as in season when I was maybe say doing 20 sets of quads, you know what I mean? 20 sets of hamstrings, 20 sets of calves or whatever. I break it down and to say like 20 sets of uh, legs, total legs. So it might be like five sets of hamstrings, five sets of quads, five sets of calves, something like that. Right on. So, and when you first started doing that, like, did you notice like a difference in like your upper body and like its ability to recover? Like, did you, yeah. Like, did you just find you were able to get more of your upper body training by doing less legs? I found that I, uh, my upper body grew a lot better when I was uh, 
because you got to admit leg training is very taxing on your body. So if you can uh, use those calories and everything, the growth to go to the areas that you need, uh, you're going to get better benefits for it. So I think laying off the leg training for me personally uh, was a good thing to bring up my upper body. Because I mean, honestly, when I first started bodybuilding, my body, my upper body was never very big, but I brought it up a lot. So uh, it was definitely a, a big difference. And I think probably one of the biggest things was just laying off the legs. Yeah. Thanks for answering that, man. Cause that, that's something I've been like in between like for a long time. And I've had so many different opinions on like what I should do when it comes to that, because I'm kind of the same as you, like I've always had the legs and like they come easy to me. And, but like, you know, I still have people telling me like, Oh, you should get them as big as you can and keep them freaky. So, and, and even me, like, I, when I train legs, like I can't take it easy because like it's just instilled in me that like leg day should be fucking brutal. So like I'm going to train them hard as hell no matter what. But I'm to the point now where I think I have to probably take that approach and, and try what you did, uh, just because that's how I feel. Like I train like so hard every week that like two or three days after, it's like when I'm trying to train upper body, I just don't have that same like intensity as I did on the leg day. So I'm thinking about yeah, even trying that and just maybe trying to hit legs once every two weeks like you did. And, yeah i think like as a bodybuilder you have to do that you're trying to sculpt your body the way you want it and you have to find your weak points and i think if you can take that energy and everything towards the other body parts maybe say a week or two and lay off the legs i mean if you do have good legs then uh they're gonna be there missing that one workout or so it's not gonna make your legs get smaller yeah it it makes a lot of sense i think i think i think it it makes sense because let's say let's say you can let's say you can recover from a hundred working sets, you know, just arbitrary number, hundred working sets a week, no matter what body, like all body parts combined, like hundred sets. So if you're using up like 20, 25 sets on legs, that doesn't leave you very much left, you know, to allocate for all your body parts. Whereas if you only did maybe like five sets a week, or if you just did like whatever, five or 10 sets every other week, that's like a massive volume that you can put into your shoulder training, your arm training or whatever. And it, and that could work for like any body part, right? Like if you have really dominant upper body and you need to train your legs more, it'd be like the opposite problem, but you just kind of train your shoulders, you know, maybe one week shoulders and tries and whatever. And then the next week would be like chest and tries and whatever. So I, I don't know. There's, there's definitely ways you can set up. I think the hardest part is like mentally, it's like, you know, I, I would yeah. feel like weird if I didn't train legs in a week, you know? So I think if, if you can get over that like mental hurdle, that your legs aren't going anywhere because it's a freaky body part for you already. And once you start seeing that mask get onto your shoulders and your arms, like you want it to, I think then you'll be like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. And that's like sometimes the most important part for a bodybuilder is to like think that and believe that what you're doing is the right thing. Yeah. You know, that's how you know we're all kind of fucked up, right? It's like, <laughs> like you, you got to convince me that it's okay to only train legs once every two weeks. Like most people would love that right be like like oh yes thank god like leg sucks only legs once every two weeks but i'm just like like god damn it like fine i'll take a it's break too <laughs> it's like taking an off day you got to convince me yeah it's like do i really need this like like there, there needs you really time need some off time yeah. but that goes right back to what robin was just saying about like once you start seeing the results from taking that extra rest day you're like oh i'm actually growing because i'm letting my body recover more then it's like okay i can do this because that was my problem last year i was like i was taking one rest day and i was like all right all this whole off season i need to bring that to two rest days focus on recovery so that i can actually grow mm-hmm. and when i it was so hard to do mentally the first few weeks and then when i started seeing the progress and seeing the results from recovering better and everything i was like okay this is what i need to be doing 
I, I think I completely agree with Eric when he says like it's it is it's bodybuilding, it's body sculpting. You know, there there is a lot of professional bodybuilders who don't have complete physiques because they just continue to train the same way. If you have smaller legs and a bigger upper body, and you're training your upper body twice a week and your legs once a week, how can you expect to ever get that proportion to what it needs to be? You have to make a change somewhere. I think so. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's yeah, a good exactly. question, man. Because I think. A lot of people like struggle with that. Thank yeah, you, I was, I've been waiting this whole podcast to pick his brain <laughs> on that one. Yeah, <laughs> and, and also you'll probably be surprised that uh, giving your legs that break, honestly, they're going to respond good the next time you train them. Yeah, well, you know what? I think either way, it's good timing for me to try because I'm having some like knee pain and stuff, and just smash them all prep. So probably better time than ever right now to lay them off a bit and focus more. Yeah, on I was going to say, yeah, that ties in what we're talking about. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. your knees a break. Yeah opposite problem of mo and now my shoulders are hurting and stuff it's like i gotta lay off on the upper body and really get to the legs so yeah your shoulders are fucking like five feet wide man yeah but you're afraid you but robin said it's once you pass that point that your your muscles that you have aren't going to disappear because i think we do have that that weird neurosis like if i don't train as hard as i did last time my muscles are going to dissipate they're just going to disappear you know yeah, but it's that crazy drive that makes us who we are as well, right? It's like, I mean, we, you need that, but it can also hold you back. I think it's just being smart Definitely. enough, like we're talking about right now, to be like, okay, I am a bodybuilder. So even though I want to go smash legs every week, because that's instilled in me, it's like you got to, like you said, you got to train yourself to be like, okay, like right now, like we got to be smart and like train how I should train, not how I want to train, right? It goes back to what Eric said, we're, we're sculpting. And I forget that all the time that I'm sculpting a physique. Like, I just think train hard and heavy and like, let's just go get her done and get big. You you forget that the grand scheme of things is to be balanced proportion because that's going to come out in the judging criteria. And I think that's what a lot of amateurs have problems with pros. They make sure they do what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the difference between a professional and an amateur for sure. Yeah, definitely. Right? Doing, doing what you have to do, not what you want to do. Yeah. We have, um, it's it's been a little while i don't want to keep you guys too too long but we got a couple um questions from the listeners and this is actually a good question because we're talking about training what do you guys like to have for your your pre-workout meal yeah i've literally got it sitting right in front of me waiting to take a bite like what is it is a broku loaf <laughs> no that's breakfast every day <laughs> yeah uh i actually so pre-contest like when i'm i'm in contests like uh prep and everything that's usually going to be like chicken and rice and maybe an apple or something like that but right now i've just been killing i'll do like you saw me drink that was five egg whites and 25 grams of whey protein and i have a peanut butter and honey sandwich (laughs) it's good but it's been like my workouts have been amazing on this like it's about a hundred something grams of carbs you know, good amount of fats in there. And then the protein, I'm like, I mean, I feel great. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a delicious, easy way to get calories in. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm just chicken rice religiously. I just can't. My last two meals were chicken rice. So like my, most of my meals are still basic like that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to throw some easy stuff in there just to enjoy and get my calories down in the off season. Yeah. Yeah, I do a bit of junk food right now. Like I have a muffin like with my post-workout meal every day right now. But I just for me, I got to save the junk food for post-workout because anytime I try to have something like that pre-workout, <laughs> my stomach's just fucked up. And like my pre- and I'll drink pre-workout and like that makes it worse. But I find if I if I just stick with chicken and rice, I never have any issues. So 
I try to just stick with that. Just digest easy. I like Jason's idea of sandwiches. Sandwiches are always good. Peanut butter, jelly, sandwiches, almond butter, jelly sandwiches, white bread, man, that tastes great. And if it's also about what you can digest though, too, like everybody's going to be different. Like some people, this might, like you said, this might wreck your stomach and then you get a horrible workout, you know, but you know, I figured test a few different things out, see what digests the best for you. And, you know, like, pay attention to how good your workout is after those meals. Yeah. And your body changes too, man. Like you could have like, that could work for you this off season. You could try that next off season and it could be like a fucking bust, right? Yeah. You're right. That's what I find too. I think, uh, Robin, you're a cream of rice guy, right? I see you always post cream of rice. Yeah. I I have like two, my two go-tos are both cream of rice based. I'll do either. I'll just make the cream of rice and then I'll do raisins, um, and, and whey. Or I'll make that into muffins. And instead of raisins, I'll use blueberries. So I'll do cream of rice, blueberries, and whey and just put it in the oven. But if I'm kind of like, don't, if I don't really feel like baking, then I'll just do the cream of rice. But I just, I just find that's the one thing that just it digests so easily. Yeah. Having raisins in there, honestly, uh, I think, I don't know, like I never really had raisins before, but like on a consistent basis. But now it's like, it's every day for pre workout. And I just find it's like, it's a really good source. Like it's a good source of potassium. So I find having potassium around my workouts really helps to, especially with sodium, you have sodium, potassium, and you just, you feel nice and full, you get in really nice muscle contractions. And then I have a little bit of uh, the carb, um, carb powder during my workout. It's got like coconut water in it. So I kind of keep like a steady potassium drip going like pre intra post. Yeah. That's what I was going to say for me. It's, it's, it's usually cream of rice. Yeah. and a banana and then i get to the gym and i have coconut water i actually do it separately or i'll mix it together like you i, I don't know what you use i use the all max carb powder because it has electrolytes yeah so i'll do the uh that and i'll throw in like you know 500 uh milliliters of uh of coconut water yeah mix it yeah that's pretty good nice what, what was your go-to eric in the off season for a pre-workout meal Pop tarts. Pop tarts. Are you serious? <laughs> I fucking love yeah. it. All right. I yeah, don't feel so bad about my peanut butter sandwich now. Yeah. Uh, definitely something like that. But I mean, in like nowadays, or even when I was pre like gun contest, I was always oats and eggs. I was always yeah. working out in the morning. So I would usually oats, eggs, coffee, and aminos would be my pre workout meal. But now it's, uh, I've been eating a lot of grits actually lately. That's one of them that I've been finding that works pretty good. Uh, that, and I do do the cream of wheat. Like you said, you do like we, that. We can't get, we can't get grits around here. It's really hard to find in Canada. Really? I was, was going to say three Canadians here. I was going <laughs> to ask you the question. Has anybody, have you guys even had grits? I, I know you've traveled. Morgan well, grits is basically uh, cream of rice. It's just made with corn, right? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah it's, it's got corn. a different texture. It's got a different texture. Well, it's too. gritty. That's why they call it it's grits. gritty. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I hear grits, I just think about Ronnie Coleman just throwing cheese. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they have, I did that one year. I did that one year. What you're going to get with a cream of rice or cream of wheat just made from grits instead of, you know, rice or wheat. But I mean, you you said you're West Virginia, right? I mean that's yeah. yeah. That's what you're, I mean, I was raised Staple. I was raised in the like north part of Florida, like basically right by the Georgia line. I mean, grits was like a staple. Mm. Staple, yeah. I don't digest grits well. I I went to New when I went to Ohio. I'm like, well, this is my stupidity because I hadn't ever had grits, and I I, I ended up at a Walmart and I didn't bring any food because I was doing the Arnold uh, amateurs. 
And I ended up carving up on grits, which was a terrible idea. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a terrible idea carving up on grits. So I was like, I thought it was like cream of rice, but it's not. No, it's different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. The the cream of rice that's my favorite is the one that's like it's almost like a baby pablum. Like it's so kind of like smooth. Yeah, it's so good. Cause I was making I was making my own. I was just blending rice and I I kind of got used to it. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like it's saving me a lot of money and it's just easy and whatever. And but it just it doesn't cook the same. Like it it just ends up getting like kind of like chunky and like I don't know. It's just different. It's just different. dude. You probably need a really fine blender to to blend it. To, to be well, I use like I, I use a coffee grinder, so it it made it into basically like rice flour because it would pulverize it so much. It was like a rice flour. So I don't know. I don't know how they make it when they like make cream of rice. Like the golden greens foods. Like I, I just bought the golden greens foods and it's like, you literally when you throw it in the microwave for three minutes, it comes out, you stir it. And it's like perfect every time. Like, how do you do that? Versus before I was making it myself. And I was like, I would have to like stir it and then like smash it and then stir it and smash it and like try to like break it all apart. It was, <laughs> yeah. It's like making cream of rice in the microwave though. That's the worst. Yeah. Put it in, yeah. take it out, stir it, oh, put it in. Take uh, it out. Seriously. Try the, try the golden grains. Put it in and you stir it and it comes up perfect every time. It's really, really cool. Mm. Magic. Send me some, Robin. I'm working Maybe. on a discount code. Oh, are, are we? Okay, good. I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Um, okay, guys, before we wrap it up, uh, one more question. Do you guys believe in intra-workout supplements? Like, do you need to have EAs? Do you need to have carb powder? Do you need to have that stuff during your workouts? Eric, let's give this to Eric because he's yeah. old school. I want to hear Eric's take on this. Uh, I, I drink aminos during my workout, so I do believe in that. But other than that, no, I don't do anything else. So, I mean, yeah, I, I've always drank aminos during my workout, BCAAs and the essential amino acids. I kind of sip on those all day. So, yeah, I, I believe in them. Did you did you do that, like, off-season pre-contest always? Always. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And did, especially, do you think, especially do you think, during the season? Yeah. Season. Do, you, do you think that you need to do that during cardio or just during training? I always did it during training and cardio, whatever okay. I was doing, I would have it. I I'm a big believer in the amino acids. Yeah. I drink them all the time. Mm-hmm. Drink them in the, in the morning when I wake up, even to this day, that's one of the, my staples in my breakfast is amino acids with the branch chains that I like to get. I, I ran out of aminos and it's been like a week and now I'm like, I'm like, oh, I got to get my aminos. But I'm like, trying not to think about it. Like when I make my intra workout, I'm like, it's okay. I'll be okay. <laughs> I have to like console myself. <laughs> yeah, so used to doing something yeah, that we, we like become accustomed to and when we don't do it anymore, it freaks us out. Um, but do you think that completes the, the chain of aminos? Like, so say you have beans or something that's like a, a vegetable based amino and you have amino acids around your workouts and throughout your day, do you think when you're like assimilating those, digesting the amino acids have a large part in helping you like fill that profile? Yes. Oh, definitely. I agree. That's like the idea, I guess, really behind the word. Like it completes right. the protein, like you're completes saying. Completes the protein, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how I like it. Yeah. It's like eating egg whites by themselves or like throwing a few yolks in there, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's also vitamins. I think the vitamin B helps you assimilate. There was some research studies about uh, egg whites alone versus eating it with one egg. There's actually like some really specific numbers about like how many. For that reason. What's that? Yeah. 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 Even from a digestive standpoint, like egg whites alone, 
compared to eggs, egg whites with eggs, I digest it better if I have eggs in there. I'm sure like the fat slowing down the digestion helps as well. But yeah, I think, I think your body just will absorb it better if the full amino profile is in there, like while you're digesting the food. So you guys, all, so we all agree that you, you've got to have the EAAs in there. I, you're trying to be a top level bodybuilder for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. necessary for you, but I think it can make a difference. And I think it's beneficial for sure. I think it's one yeah. of those things that's going to make a difference over a long period of time. Right. It's like, it's yeah, like every, every, control. every little minute detail helps. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And this is one, this is one that's right. Body yeah. building, you're doing the small shit over and over and it adds up like over years. So that's how I feel about that. But for mm-hmm. me, like intra workout, I'll always do the essential amino acids. I'll do 10 grams of creatine and I'll do 25 grams of carb powder. And I usually start drinking that halfway through my workout. And like, basically for me, I think of it like, you know, halfway through my workout, like my body's primed to like absorb nutrients. And if I take like a fast digesting carb powder, it's like 25 grams. And I'll usually like pretty much like slam it halfway through my workout, just get like an insulin spike. And then, you know, you have the essential amino acids in the mix, the creatine in the mix. And like, if all that's getting shuttled to your muscles, like halfway through your workout to kind of help you finish the workout, and start the recovery before you even, you're even done. Like that's just like how I process it in my mind, like when I'm yeah. doing it, right? Yeah. So that that's just what I do, and it's it's something I've been doing for like the last two years. So it's like I'm sure I could go without it, but it would definitely not feel right. Yeah, your, your think, muscles feel fuller too. I think yeah. it makes sense, like you because I do the exact same thing. I, I use a 25 grams of carbs intra, and even if I'm on a contest prep, I I still kind of like to allocate 25 of those grams during my workout because i feel like that's way more beneficial than having it like some other time in the day where you're not actually like, using that's it. the last carbs i will take out yeah yeah i really think it has a lot to do with replenishing your glycogen stores like during that workout because yeah. that and like you said robin the potassium uh and the sodium imperative to like keeping that fullness the hydration yeah the hydration keep your hydration yeah. up yeah well, it's exactly. interesting you say like that those are the last carbs that you'll take out because like working with Chris Aceto, as we diet down, the he'll leave carbs in my breakfast, he'll leave carbs in my pre-workout meal, and then I won't get carbs the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like no post-workout, no, like, unless it's a high carb day or something like, but usually he puts all my carbs pre-training. Well, yeah. luckily for me, like the lowest my carbs get is like 300. <laughs> so there's, there's still carbs in like every meal. I'm like suffering on 300 grams of carbs. But, uh, but I mean, I guess that makes sense too. Like, I guess in my mind, it's just like, okay, I want glycogen in my muscles for the workout. Like, I don't need glycogen after that if I'm a prep. Like, for yeah. like if your cardio is done and your workout's done, like, you might as well be empty on glycogen. So you can just be in a fat burning state the rest of the day. Right. right? Yeah. Milos yeah. has an interesting video on that. I don't know if you guys have ever followed Milos's uh, videos. I'm not sure if they posted it to RX Muscle or if he has his own channel, but he talks about like um, allocation of calories. And he has three block window, like three, three hour blocks of time as windows, like training time, three hours prior, post, three hours before bed. And he allocates all the carbs around pre-training and intra-training. And then it's like no carbs for Milos. Ben, Ben Pakalsi, I was doing a different approach when I was training at MI40 and just kind of listening to some of his guidance. And he, he was kind of more like, just protein and fats pre-workout, no carbs at all. Mm. And then ha- have your carbs like intra and post and then have your carbs, like no carbs for breakfast, no carbs pre-workout, just intra post and then bedtime, which was kind of interesting. Well, well it's just going to show there's a million ways to do this and you just got to yeah. find the one that you can, works best for you and the one that you can stick to. Exactly. Yeah. Well said, Jason. 
Because Patrick, I'm just curious, because you work with Patrick, right? Didn't Patrick allocate all the carbs prior to training too? Uh, He did put a lot, he put a lot, but he kind of did like pre and post as well. But when I was working with Patrick, we had carbs in basically every meal. But it, he was pretty carb heavy in the in the pre workout meal, which I don't really love to be honest with you, because I feel like there's a certain point where if I have too many carbs pre workout, I just kind of get sluggish and tired. Hmm. So my, my biggest meal of the day is uh, my first meal, and then I have my second meal is just like the chicken and rice, and then I go train. So like I have the yeah. biggest meal like like two meals away from training. I find that works pretty good. I, I do that. I do that too, and I, I like that because the breakfast meal, like, because if you eat a big meal first then you wait and you eat a smaller meal before training like that bigger meal early in the day is already kind of digested and assimilated. So it, it's in your body. Whereas if you have like a big giant pre-workout meal, like then you go hit the gym, like a lot of that food might still be digesting. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome guys. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's call it for today. Had a lot of fun with you guys. Um, let's do another one next week. Yeah, um, sure. yeah let's, let, let's get fucking big this week, yeah. guys. That, that's the goal. Everyone's up, everyone's up to the pounds by next weekend. That's it. Yeah. All right, guys. Good. All right, guys. Have a great All one. Right. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Canadian Beef Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and like our videos. Also, don't forget, guys, we got Helix Online discount code BEEF20. We also got Gorilla Wear discount codes. If you guys want to help us by supporting the channel and getting yourself some great products, you can use our code at checkout. Thank you guys for watching.